Jen Silbernagel, how are you? <laughs> Gary McGowan, I'm good. How are you doing? I am doing really good. Really good. I didn't get good. a big Easter-filled dinner, so I think that's probably good <laughs> from a health-wise standpoint. <laughs> probably, probably. We had turkey, but, uh, you know, it was delicious. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Nice. Yeah, I think we yeah. did. We did Mexican. We did takeout. I think Ooh. sometime over the weekend. Can't remember what day. So um, yeah. it's true. I found out that Mexicans um, they celebrate Easter because that's what we did. <laughs> that's so funny. Nice. Nice. So oh here's something God. really cool. And Jen and I were just talking about this. Not only are we live on Facebook, we are also live on YouTube. So a shout out if you're watching uh, live with us on YouTube. Uh, let us know where you're watching from in the comments. We always like to know and interact with each other that way. And we've got a kind of a fun show scheduled for today with uh, some really cool and fun topics. I think I think we'll make we always make them fun. It's just a matter we'll of where we end up out. with them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's right. We'll see where That's, they take us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So why don't we, uh, we'll, we'll roll the intro and then we'll get into some of the fun we talk about. <laughs> <laughs> There we go. And yes, Mary Fresnel, first on the list. Yes, she's watching on <laughs> Facebook. Thanks. And hi to Mary. She was our guest last week, if you may recall. And and we did lots of talking around branding and, and so forth. It was really great. Really, really great. Speaking of branding, Jen, uh, I know we're on Facebook because yeah. this is where we currently are at the moment. We are on we are on YouTube. And if you want the audio version, we're on your favorite podcast player. I didn't forget. I said it right away. So I got it out of the way. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I feel like that's one of those things you got to you got to start with it, you know, or else we get caught up in the conversation and uh, we forget to tell you at the end where we're where you can watch us or listen to us. And I know a couple of people listen in the car or at work or stuff like that. So the the podcast setup is pretty great for that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I love listening to podcasts. And it's I think it's what kind of got me into it a few years ago uh, from the fact that like, I think I was listening to a Michael Hyatt podcast. And if you're if you don't know who Michael Hyatt is, uh, he was the CEO of a publishing company uh, and has published many, 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 many books. And then uh, because of his leadership skills, he started this really cool leadership training program. I don't know what to call it other than tribe. And uh, now that's what he lever leverages. And his podcast and his training, if you're into leadership, uh, check out Michael Hyatt. It's just some amazing, amazing stuff. Anyways, I was listening to his podcast and listened to it, listened to it. I thought, we could do this. I could do this. We could do this. And it just, you know, one thing leads to another, right? I, I, yeah. Are you the type of person, Jen, if you see something, you're like, I can do that. And then you just go do Absolutely. it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And sometimes I can't do it, but I think I can. And then I realize very quickly, I'm like, oh, that's way harder than it looks. I actually can't do that. But, uh, but yeah, I definitely I get motivated by other people doing things and then I want to try them as well. Yeah. 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 I, I will, I will sort of create a, how do I want to say this? I can create an amazing argument for the realtors that just go and watch somebody do it and then go do it. Those are amazing mm -hmm. realtors because they just figure it yeah. out. Right. Yeah. Like yeah. I, I think that's kind of what sets a lot of the great, 
people apart from others is they're not, they're not, they don't, they don't care if they fail. Yeah. Yeah. We talk about that a lot in coaching, um, especially with the newer agents, right? We, we talk a lot about, it's great to have your plan and it's great to have everything in place and to be particular. But if you're not talking to people every day, if you're not just going and doing, you know, the productivity is not going to show up. The business isn't going to show up. So, you know, I always say, I'm like, don't get in your own way, right? Get out of the way and let it happen and just go and do it and learn as you go. It's a, it's a much scarier prospect for some people. Um, you know, for those who have no fear, it's, it's really cool to watch because they just go and they take off usually, right? Um, but for some people, that's very, very hard to do. So it's always that dynamic. I think I land somewhere in between. I have, the, I have a little fear, but generally I'll talk myself into it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Get out of yeah. your own way. That's something you've said to me a couple of times. <laughs> and, I can, mm-hmm. and, and, and that's what makes us, I think, a great <laughs> business partner, but great friends too. Yeah. And it's funny because we'll often yeah. be like, just get out of your own way. Like, just like, just let sometimes you just got to let that conversation or whatever uh, evolve into what it needs to be. And, and you get, you get in the way of that happening a lot of the times, right? Cause of many things, yeah. it could be ego or we feel we have to follow the process. No, yeah. the process yeah. needs to move with the conversation yeah. a little bit. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's a big one uh, with scripts, right? I always, I always try and remember to make this point when I'm coaching on scripts because everyone gets so focused on getting through the script that they're not listening to the other person. And often like in role play in our classes and stuff, people will be like, they'll be saying, yes, like, sure. I'm thinking about selling my house. And then the person will be like, Oh, if you were to move, where would you move? It's like, no, no, they've already said yes. Like just <laughs> yeah. get the appointment, you know? <laughs> so I love it's it. always, yeah. 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 It's always a funny topic, but uh, it's hard, hard to do. Right. Exactly. I like this from Mary. Yeah. What's the worst thing that could happen? You learn yeah. exactly, and I, yeah. I know years ago when I was raising uh, capital for our investment properties, I always, you know, one of the things that I like to lean back on is, you know, yeah, we're learning scripts and we're learning what to say, but you also, in that time, right, Jen, you learn what not to say, mm-hmm. and 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 sometimes yeah. it's too much of what you are saying, right? You and I had that. Yeah. I'll say, I'll say it like this. You and I have, we don't have a problem of saying too much. It's just a matter. Okay. We need to turn it off sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it's knowing when to stop talking, not what to say. Um, and you do learn that you do over time, you get better at that in some, in some scenarios. And then in others, we just talk forever. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> Without a doubt. Okay. So now is probably a good time for us to stop bantering because this is a lot here's the really cool thing as jen kind of laughs at me is we do you know we we obviously do a show prep and we have a little pre-show meeting and what we're going to talk about but the real fun stuff i find is you know we have our points that we're going to we're certainly going to get into them but stuff like this like that's where the gold happens yeah we might be bantering and have some fun but jen and i had we didn't even we just we knew we were coming on and we knew, we knew we were going to do our thing. And, and sometimes we just get into some really cool stuff that, that matters, you know, to people growing their business. So I love the unscripted part of it, Jen, you, and I know you yeah. do too. <laughs> yeah. I okay. Do. It's more, com- it's more comfortable. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So we got, we got a handful of quick takes that we're going to go through. And if you were watching the Facebook um, thread or the comments, you'll see them there. And uh, these are, you know, these are things that either Jen is having these conversations within her coaching clients. I'm talking about them with our, with our top producers or we're, you know, these are things that are real life, you know, real life, real drama type things. So Jen, let's, let's roll the first one here. 
do it. Okay, the first one, preemptive offers. Why don't Jen give us give us that sixty second or less um, description of what a preemptive offer is, and then we'll kind of give you the the scenario of what we're going to talk about today. Yeah, sure. So a preemptive offer is when there's a, a property listed that has an offer date set um, where they want to review offers, and somebody views the property and says, "Hey, I want to put in an offer." prior to that offer date that's been established. Um, and then they prepare the offer and submit it to the seller in advance of the offer date. Also known as a bully offer, um, but more often, more commonly called preemptive now than originally, yeah. Yeah, bull bully offers, I mean, that's what, it just sounds so cruel and mean and everything like that, but it's a preemptive is a very nice way of selling, saying bully offer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, right. a, it's a much more proper way. That's for sure. <laughs> proper. It's the English proper way. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So <laughs> I was in this scenario over the weekend and, um, I was following two listings uh, in Stovall where I live that both had offer dates for, I believe it was April 7th. So we haven't even hit April 7th yet for it, uh, in, in this scenario. And uh, over the weekend, one of those properties took a preemptive offer or a bully offer. And it's interesting because as that rolled out and played out, uh, I, you know, I, I was, I was watching it, watching it and just kind of seeing what was going on. And that was on Saturday. And then we got an email late in the evening to say that uh, they had accepted it. They're just waiting on the deposit. So they got their property sold, which is always the number one thing. And then obviously, you know, making sure it's a win-win for both the buyer and seller. <clears throat> Excuse me. The second property, um, again, uh, was to receive offers or review offers on April 7th. And they received a preemptive offer on, on, um, on Monday. So for some, it was a holiday and that was at about four in the afternoon by five 30, they had two other offers. So in fact, it was in multiple offers at three. And I'm led to believe that that property sold uh, late last night. They're waiting on the deposit, uh, as of today, Tuesday. So the question that I kind of threw out to Jen, and as I was kind of mulling this over, if you're representing the buyer, is it a strategy and is it a good strategy? We're going to discuss that uh, to get ahead of the game and provide a preemptive offer. Because we've just come out of a few months where as a buyer, uh, you were getting beat up for the, for, you know, lack of a better term, right? So do you want to get out yeah. in front of that and, and, and not compete or maybe limit your your exposure to competition so what do you think jen yeah i mean i i think there's a you know from my perspective the answer is yes yes you should be trying to do that as a buyer um because what's happening is or what i'm seeing is that if the the sale is getting to the offer date which is somewhat uncommon but if it does make it there um they're, the seller generally is making more money on that offer date, or sometimes what happens is they'll move it up 24 hours or 48 hours, but they won't they won't trigger off of a preemptive, right? Which means that they won't go, okay, I have an offer that's come in early, and now I'm going to review everything tonight. But they might change it and say, hey, instead of Wednesday, let's look on Monday, right? And, and speed up the process. Um, and you know, as a buyer, when or as a buyer's agent, if you want to give your client the best shot potentially of getting that 
at a more reasonable market value price because I will I will tell you that from what I'm seeing most preemptives aren't super aggressive they're not crazy high numbers um, they're just buyers that are trying to get in before the offer date and hope that it gets picked up and my clients the coaching clients and our agents that have done that successfully when they have been the preemptive that got accepted before anyone else was there they did tend to get a decent deal on the property now that doesn't happen often um, but it's worth a shot right it's a strategy as a buyer that we can employ in a market where really buyers don't have that many strategies right it's just show up and give all your money and see if and hope that no one else has more money than you like that's kind of the game plan right now um so it does give you a little bit of a window of trying the flip side of that of course is that traditionally when a preemptive comes in there's another couple of buyers that are going to also get their offer put together and you're still in multiples and we've also been seeing a trend that the offer that actually triggered the preemptives when that happens doesn't end up being the one that wins the property that night anyway. So if the seller is open to it and the agent buys enough time and, and gets time for other agents to bring in an offer, um, you know, oftentimes because they're in a competition mindset coming in and the preemptive is in a more of a like, hey, I'm going to try and get this offer in early. Sometimes those other two offers are a lot more aggressive. And so it changes the the conversation just in that window of that evening itself so it's a slippery slope i guess um but it is worth a shot i would say as a buyer agent if your client loves a property try for a preemptive every time give it a go worst case scenario you end up in multiples anyway it was going to happen next week doesn't what's the difference at least this way maybe there'll be two or three less offers right yeah yeah no i i agree with everything you say i'm actually going to roll back the clock a little bit to when mary posted this what's the worst thing that can happen is you learn, right? right? So Mary, yeah. this, there, I got to see how many times I can use this comment. <laughs> we'll get a counter clock going. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. We're at one. <laughs> no, we're at two now. We've used it twice. Oh, we're at We've two. used it twice. Okay, sorry, we're well, at two. sort of. She posted it, <laughs> yeah. anyways. Details. Uh, um, yeah. yeah, and C Caesar has a great point here too. Um, see if I can make this a little easier to read here. Let's just see. Yeah, more and more sellers are doing preemptive now, so is an opportunity for buyers. Uh, for sure. It really depends on the area because some properties are mm -hmm. failing in offer date. So, so you don't want to go nuts with the bullies. Absolutely. Caesar. And thanks for, for Great typing point. in there yeah. for sure. Uh, absolutely. Um, I, I think from my perspective, if I'm going in there as a buyer now, I, you know, granted every buyer has a different motivation. However, they all have a similar motivation in the fact that they want to obtain a property, right? They want to purchase a property. Right. So let's not go too far away from what that is. Uh, it is it is your role as a buyer's agent to really understand a um, their true motivation and and alongside of that their financial obligation to that particular property, right? And mm -hmm. and it's 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 up to us to coach them along and and keep asking them questions. But if I have an opportunity to put it in an offer or to be in a situation. And I want, here, let me back up a little bit because my, as I'm saying that sentence, my mind shifted. Can you tell? <laughs> yeah. Our, our job as buyers, as agents, buyer or seller is to put our, our clients into a position to succeed. Mm. Right. So if this is an opportunity that's going to allow them to succeed. And as Mary said, what's the worst that can happen is you learn, um, whether the seller and you and the buyer have the price, you know, you're in alignment or maybe the seller is still up here. 
that's okay. Just yeah. come back at offer date and see what happens. Who like who knows? Yeah, right? yeah. And I think that's a great point to bring up. Um, if you're the only preemptive and they don't want to work with you, they say no. We're not going to look at it. You're not competitive enough to trigger preemptives or have us move the offer date. I mean, then you know, at least you know where you stand and you know where the seller's expectation is. So you have a little bit of extra information going into the offers on Monday night or Tuesday night or whenever that's going to be. It doesn't mean you can't show back up, right? That doesn't, you don't just get one shot. The only way that it would work against you is if somebody else came in at the same time and beat you in negotiations, right? Um, And I think to Caesar's point, it was a great point to bring up. Obviously, it's dependent on the market and the area that you're in, right? We're not saying go put a bully on every offer, go put a preemptive on every house. If it's been on the market um, for a while, obviously you can't do that. And then also, you know, if houses in the area are sitting, take a look at the market and engage, right? What's the trend right now? If they're not going into multiples, then wait it out, see what happens on offer night, because that might be your better opportunity. So it's always about looking at the data at the end of the day. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you said, you know, you, you get more than one shot. Like this isn't the Eminem song where you only do get one shot. You do get <laughs> multiple times to go in if they reject that offer, right? You can you can mm-hmm. resubmit it or or change what it looks like. Yeah, and Daniela has a great point here too. I, this is a fantastic point because we're we're talking about it from the buyer's perspective, but from the seller's perspective, there's some obviously yeah. there's pros and cons, but you know some sellers are open to preemptive as they are tired of COVID cleaning after days of showings. Absolutely. You know, we're seeing yep. things right now where um, when, when it when it can, sellers are actually moving out for the week. And we used to do that mm-hmm. just, just to make it easy to show. Well, now they're doing it for, yeah. for more than just easy to show. It's, it's also health reasons and other things that are factoring in. So yeah. um, that might be a motivation to the seller to get it sold within days uh, from that perspective as, as well, you know. Good stuff. Yeah, keep. Yep. I, I I love when we get to have interaction like this with um, with with, with the people watching with with our 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 favorite viewers, if you will. Uh, keep typing in your comments here because we do have some we do have some uh, good good topics coming up. Sorry, my phone was ringing and I got sidetracked there a little bit. Okay, very good. <laughs> yeah, doesn't take much, Jen. Doesn't yeah. take much. <laughs> And I think it's a great, Daniela made a great point too. reach out to that agent and ask what the seller's motivation is, right? Um, There's no, I say this all the time, like ask lots of questions. Worst case scenario is you don't get an answer. Best case scenario is somebody gives you too much information. (laughs) Like, you know, it, it could go either way, but you may as well ask because it doesn't, it doesn't do any harm to ask the question and they might have um, showing restrictions. They might want to just get it over with quickly who knows, right? So it's always worth it's always worth investigating. Yeah, absolutely. Ask the questions. Okay, moving on. What's next? Okay, service providers. So uh, Jen had a great great point earlier. So you you roll with this one, Jen, because I thought this was just fantastic when you brought it up. <laughs> Yeah, so I was uh, I was thinking about you know our our teams and our business, and I guess my thought on this was if you were to have your service providers in hand, and I know some agents do and some agents don't. What I mean by service providers is home inspectors, painters, landscapers, cleaners, all of the people that we work with within our industry. If you were to have them on hand, um, set up almost on like a 
a relate in a relationship that, Hey, I'm going to use you on every listing I list. And, you know, I'm going to pay you 20% less because I'm giving you guaranteed volume or whatever that conversation looks like. How do you, how does that, um, not how, but you know, my thought is that that could really position you in a strong way when you're at the table with sellers, because all of a sudden your service providers become your team. So when we are talking about, and this ties into our conversations last week with Mary and your branding and your unique value proposition and how do you set yourself apart? And when you have a team in your pocket that you go, yeah, you know, my cleaner's gonna come in two days before the day before photography or the morning of photography. I've got my photographer, I've got my stager, I've got my painter. We're gonna do all of this and take care of it for you. That's a huge value add to your business. And so the question, I guess, or to have to convert this into more of a conversation piece, Gary, is, you know, is that worth offering? Is that something that's just going to cost you more money in our current competitive market? Or is that going to get you more business? And and what does that look like? Or how do you how would you structure that? Um, or would you do that? Would you do that if you were an active agent right now going out to sit down at people's tables and try to get them to hire you? Well, I like it. The fact that, you know, you are, we always talk about how do you portray yourself as the expert? Mm -hmm. And, and if you're not coming to the table with all the columns that need to be filled up, filled up, then quite frankly, you're not portraying yourself as the expert. Like, let's just call it what it is. Right. And, and if you can come to the table with your listing presentation or your buyer uh, uh, package and say, don't worry about what this house looks like. I've got the trades or the people, the connections to give to you to make this, you know, your dream home or to get it ready to be sold. Everything from we can get the home painted to stage to who's going to close it as a lawyer. Here's, you know, three different lawyers. I've worked with all of them. They are all like things like that. And we'll talk more about lawyers in, in, a, in a few minutes here. But, you know, every, I think to me, you're not doing not only you're doing uh, a a disservice to your clients, you're doing a disservice to you and your business Mm -hmm. if you don't show up prepared and already have these relationships built. Right. And, and Jen, you know, we, we talk about, you know, everyone seems to be asking, Oh, I need this person or I need this person or I need that person. Well, Let's get together. Let's get together as a community. If we don't have those people, let's get together as a community and say, who do you have for this? Perfect. I got this person that, and they're going to do this. And let's provide that, mm-hmm. you know, so-called master service provider list. And, and maybe, you know, maybe in numbers, for instance, maybe in numbers, we can negotiate uh, more favorable pricing because they know they're going to get that repeat business. Again, Jen and I, you know, we, we talk about this, but we haven't, you know, we, we're not, um, scripting this at all but to me this is this is this is a great opportunity if it doesn't exist in in your group of people go make it right mm-hmm. yeah yeah and i mean it should it should make sense or at least it makes sense to me that when i walk into a listing if i'm competing for that property um i i feel that you know and we've talked about sliding sliding scale commission compensation models and all that sort of stuff and you can build that around this concept that you know you could have your your platinum package where it's like yeah we show up and we provide you with everything um or we you know we show up and we give you this this and this because you don't need that and that's fine too but when you can just solve the problem of the seller that's what's going to win for you right when you show up and your ability it's not to negotiate. It's not to sell yourself. It's to hear what their problem is and provide a solution without it creating any stress or added cost beyond what 
they're comfortable paying, that's when they start to see you as the person they need to have. That's where your value comes in, right? It's it's the ability to to solve that specific problem. And we don't always talk about it that way. We talk about it as our value prop or whatever it is, but that's really what you're doing for them. That's what that provides. So when you understand that, having that team in your pocket becomes a bigger conversation and it becomes a more important piece, a more important tool, right? Um, yeah. And then the question I know lots of people are gonna be thinking is, well, am I paying for that? Or is the seller paying for that, right? How does that work? Because what's my cost of sale when I have you know, a painter and a cleaner and all that sort of stuff? And there's two ways you can look at that. You could look at it as cost of sale or you could look at it as, as the benefit of volume because you're gonna sign more listings. So maybe you net slightly less per listing, but if you're gonna list five, six, seven, eight, ten 10 more houses because you offer that value prop at a higher level, how, where do you net more money, right? It's like the, the argument of, of five, 5% versus 10% or 10%, whatever those, those things are, right? Um, if your end goal is to get market share, then you need volume anyway. So what, what argument are you making? That would, be, that would be my question, I guess. Yeah. Uh, Mary provided an absolutely fantastic example of this. So here, here is a service mm -hmm. provider. Now she's much more to us than a service provider, Mary. So, yeah. but this is what you're being labeled at at the moment. <laughs> uh, as a service provider, it's, it's clear Mary provides, you know, specific pricing for KWRC, but in return, uh, she knew that that was her business plan when her and Marvin, the owner of KWRC, uh, met years ago, that this was going to be, uh, the opportunity was greater than one or two sales. Let's, let's kind of put it that way, right? So uh, that, there's a great example of a service provider seeing the bigger opportunity. So Mary, thumbs up to you many times on that for sure. Yeah, here's here. this is really great too, Mary. When, when you provide resources of reliable service providers, it keeps you top of mind. I mean, we could just stop there. Keeps you top of mind mm -hmm. for anything home-related when it comes to listing their home, the clients think of you. Mary, that is so valuable because, you know, we often think about, well, I'm going to only provide my service provider list when they're ready to sell. Are you kidding me? <laughs> There's whole marketing campaigns built around this, Jen. I don't know if we want to get into that right now, but there, there is. <laughs> We're going down a rabbit hole, Gary. <laughs> there is. If you don't know what to yeah. talk to or you don't know what to say to your homeowners, provide them with your service provider list, right? Branded service provider list. Right, Mary? Yeah. All right. I, I could yeah. get on a soapbox yeah, there. Like but... I was going to say we're, we're going down a, a dangerous path, but you know, people sometimes want to hold that stuff close to their chest um, and protect it for when they're getting something back from it. And that's one of the biggest mistakes you can make is give it freely to just openly help other people. Um, and when you do that, when you come from that position of contribution of giving and helping more people want to help you back, they want to support you, right? And we get into that scarcity mindset. And I know a lot of people will argue with me about that. And that's okay. Um, that's just one perspective on it. But I truly believe that the more you give out, the more that you're going to you're gonna get back. And we, we see it quite often. Yeah. Well, the more people you help to achieve their goals, right? What does that do for yeah. your goals? Yeah. We, we've heard that a exactly. thousand times. Mr. Zig Ziglar, one of my faves. Okay, moving on. Pricing strategy. So this is a, just a nice way of saying, how do I price a home to receive multiple offers? 
So, yeah. Jen, you, you had a good example of this uh, earlier. Talk to us about the example. <laughs> so I saw um, in one of, uh, one of the Facebook groups that Gary and I are both in that there was an agent asking, how do I explain to my clients um, that this house is priced $700,000 below market value? And that just triggered with me. It's like, okay, at what point do we stop? Like, where's where's acceptable? Where's the line, right? Is 700,000 really, you know, where we're gonna go? And then you see those examples of people listing at $0 or $1. Um, and, you know, that strategy never really worked. It never took off. I've seen people try it a few times and it, it never kind of plays out the way they think it's gonna. Um, but at what point do you do you become unrealistic in the strategy? Um, does it stop working, I guess would be the question. Or is it just, you know, unfair to everybody involved to put it at that price point, right? So what's your take on that, Gary? Yeah, I I got I got a few different opinions on that. And and don't worry, I'm gonna land on one. <laughs> but i you know, if you're listening to to us, you know, talk about you know, throw it in the comments there. You know, do you price it at, for instance, is it is five percent okay below market value? Is ten percent okay? I'd love to see in the comments. You know, nothing's right or nothing's wrong. So we're not gonna, mm -hmm. you know, call you out if you say one thing or the other. I, we are legit, legitimately curious because I, th I think every realtor, every brokerage, every seller has a slightly different opinion of it, and I think that's what makes yeah. it so hard to land on one spot, right? So yeah, feel free to drop it in the comments there. Um, yeah, Ben, you're absolutely right. So here the comments are coming in. Yeah, good. Uh, it all depends on the average selling price. And I think, Ben, you nailed it. That's where we all have to start, right? And, yeah. and as a good listing agent, as you're doing your listing presentation and you've got the comps kind of laid out on the table or over, however you're doing it now over Zoom, uh, the best question to ask always before you land on that final price is now that you've seen the, the information, where do you feel your home is valued at? Forget the listing price and what you mm -hmm. want to achieve, where it's valued at. And quite frankly, sometimes you have to take out those those unicorns, right? The one that sold, average price is 1.2, but the one that sold for 1.4 and it's around the corner from you. Sometimes you got to remove those off the table, right, Jen? Yeah. 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 Like, oh, absolutely. I, I call those the anomalies. You got to get rid of them. There's a bottom and a top in almost every scenario, right? Clear them out um, and then work with work with what the norm is. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll be quite honest yeah. with you. When I was when I was listing and I was, I was we were doing, you know, a listing agent, if you will, uh, and we'd get into mm -hmm. a hot market like this. The sellers would obviously, uh, you know, look at me to see, okay, how, what's our strategy? And I put together a strategy for them. And in a market like this, it's going to go to multiples typically. Right. And then yeah. what's, where yeah. do we land on that pricing? And I say to them, listen, there, there is a significant difference of who comes into the home if we price it incorrectly. Right. Mm -hmm. And we all know, you know, almost no matter at what, level you price it at, you're going to be selling your home. We're going to say that nine out of 10 times in this current market, right? Starting to shift a little bit, yeah. but we're going to, for the, for the sake of this example, yeah. right? Yeah. So it's not, it's not a, it's not a, it's not a difference of being on the market or in the market. We already know we're in the market because we're up for sale. <laughs> However, <laughs> I would always say to them, it, it's, it's our strategy 
that list at fair market value, the market will come in and tell us what they're going to pay for it. But we know that right now, this type of home is going to multiples. And I and we got to be careful in setting those expectations. We're going to list at market value. Because what happens if, if we list at... 15, 20, 25% below market value just to drive that that price up. What happens, Jen? Who do we get coming through that home? Well, you get all the buyers in that lower price point coming through that home, right? That can't afford the house at the price you want to sell it. Yeah. And especially in a time like this when we're trying to protect who comes into my home, right? Uh yeah. we want to, we don't, we don't those lucky lose, they're not gonna do anything to our pricing anyways, right? And even if they bring right. an offer, okay, it, it might adjust the top rate. But at the end of the day, it's a waste of our seller's time. It's a waste of that agent's time. And it's a waste of our time. Let's get the right people coming through this home, right? That are going to, that yeah. are going to submit an offer that, that would be my take on it. And, and again, everyone has their own little strategy, but that would be my take on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ben saying here, I think agents who list way below market value makes the seller's life more difficult because you bring too much foot traffic. Ben, I, we couldn't have exactly. set that up more perfectly. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly right, Ben. hundred percent. 10 um, points to Ben. I, I mean, I, yeah, <laughs> I think that the conversation I've always had with my clients as well is, is um, that as much as we want to strategically price it in a way to get enough people through the home to get the multiple offers, to get us above that market value. I also don't want to deal with 30 offers or, you know, 40 offers because I priced it drastically low. And of course, you know, as you mentioned with COVID, you don't want that many people coming in and out of our house, right? So what's your range? And I've always leaned into, you know, the, the 50 to 100,000 as kind of a consistent range. If I am going to list below market, I'm not going to go more than that, you know, 100 or so outside of, where I really feel I want to be um, at the most, because I want to control the offers. I want to get qualified buyers in the door. I want to make sure that they have the money to spend to give the money that I want to get. Same as you, Gary, right? Same idea. And I only need three or four offers to get above market value. So why do I want to deal with 20 or 30 and all those agents and phone calls and all that other craziness that comes with it? Because I priced so low that I need that money just to get back up to market value. Because that's what you're doing. You're creating that wave. You're going, okay, I'm going to price this low to get this many people in to get my price up to where I could have just been to begin with. So it, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me to utilize that strategy unless you want to use it, you know, and I'm just going to say it because I don't know how else to say it, like to brag, to say, hey, I had, you know, however many showings in five days or I, I got 160% of my asking price. Well, of course you did. You listed 700,000 below market value. What what did you think was probably not even a right average, but what do you think was going to happen, right? Like that doesn't speak to your skill. That just speaks to um, how far off you were on the price, basically. And purposely doing so isn't doesn't make you a better agent, in my opinion. But. I like it. I, I think that's a great way to analyze that. Um, mm-hmm. A rhetorical question I'm asking it anyways. How many offers does it take to purchase a home? Right. Well, right. It's one. <laughs> the, the big number one. Right. If, if you yeah. if you were curious or didn't know uh, one, yeah. you can only accept one yeah. and have it go through and close. Right. And and, right. Uh, you know, there's no difference in getting there's no difference between 20 offers and 10 offers. 
There's no difference between 10 and seven. Now, obviously there's a difference as you get from one to two and maybe, maybe two to four, somewhere around there, uh, that, you know, we're kind of getting into the semantics of it, but really pricing strategy, uh, you want to price it to sell the house. You don't want to price it to, to, to create all this extra stress on the sellers that you don't need to. Right. And, mm-hmm. and again, everyone's going to have a different mentality or a different thought process around it. Uh, and that's okay. I mean, that's what makes this industry so amazing is there's not one way to do it. There's many ways to do right. it. So, uh, Jen and I can sit here and tell you, you know, figure out what's the best way for you and your seller to do it. And don't be afraid to change it from one listing to the next. Right, Jen? Like, don't be afraid to adjust mm-hmm. it a little yeah. bit to keep fine tuning. Yeah. It. You shouldn't really be doing the same thing with every listing um, unless you're listing the same types of property in the same location over and over again, in which case, yeah, you probably will be. But otherwise, you know, you're going to have to look at, again, going, going back to the last conversation, what's the data telling you, right? What is what's happening in the neighborhood? What, where are buyers at? Have you called the last four listings that sold and asked them what kind of traffic they got? How many offers did they get on offer night? You know, if they got preemptives, was it one preemptive or was it three preemptives? What happened there, right? What's, was it, what was their showing ratio daily? If you're, you need to know all of that information and, you know, people don't always realize that they can call and ask other agents that. Now the agent, it's up to their discretion, whether they tell you or not, they're not, they're not disclosing anything that would be private. It's just numbers. Hey, this many people showed the property. You could track it on Broker Bay if you wanted to, and your office uses Broker Bay if you were really diligent about it. Um, but ask those questions, get that information, and then sit down and talk to your seller and go, hey, this is what's happening in the neighborhood right now, um, especially if you're working in a specific pocket, right? But overall, so yeah, I would, I would hope that your strategy is changing from listing to listing based on the listing itself. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, if you if you're on Broker Bay, I know you know. Let us know in the comments. It is such a great tool uh, to use for both your buyer and seller. And and the cool thing too, from from a broker's perspective, I get to look at all the stats. And and if you know me, I like I like stats. I like numbers because the numbers, you know, you, you can uh, they they tell a story. And this is interesting. And I don't recall if we said this last week, Jen, but for the month of of February versus March. Uh, our brokerage doubled the amount of listings that we carried in in March than we did in February, and wow. and all those these remember understand the numbers. So in the month of February, we averaged about sixteen showings per listing before it sold. Why is it so less, or why is that number not very big? Is because it was selling in basically four and five days, right? There's only so many people yeah. you can get in yeah. in that time. So yeah. double the amount of show, double the amount of uh, listings in March, and our showings only dropped to twelve and a half. So mm. there's a lot more buyers on the market, as well as a lot more listings on the market, and I, I'm sure yeah, we're going to start to continue that 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 trend uh, for the month of um, April as well. So you know, yeah. use the information as it's out there for sure. Uh, don't go yeah. nuts on your pricing, understand the fundamentals of the market though. Right. And the market, not yeah. only is it inventory, it's the, it's the demand for it. So the Jen, demand, we, yeah. we, we went all over on this one, but I like it. I, guess, I know. As, we did a big circle. <laughs> well, and I think what, I think what conversations like this that Jen and I have, uh, it's not just a number that you come up with, right? Mm-hmm. 
it, it is, it obviously it is a strategy. It's right here, pricing strategy. It's right there in the title. However, there's a lot more to it than just coming up a number. Like what is the demand for that? How many people are out looking for properties? And if you don't know that, you know, talk to us at, at you know, in, on the leadership team at KWRC, but also talk to your peers. If they got a listing, Hey, how many showings did you get on that place that you sold last week? You know, always stay up to date on your market research. Okay. Yeah, and also when you're when you're at that listing table and you can state those numbers and you show up with that information, you look like a rock star to your to those clients, right? You look like you are the neighborhood expert. And we talk about referrals and those wow moments and positioning yourself that way with that information, it, it sets you apart at a high level. So you know, there's that extra level of service around those conversations as well. Yeah. I like it. Okay. So pricing strategy, uh, we're going to move forward, pretend you closed and sold that house. And we're going to talk about. As I was saying, when the music interrupted me, we're going to talk about closing <laughs> etiquette. <laughs> I forgot that the music would cut me off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Close. This is a big, this is a big conversation. Um, especially in this market, right? There's a lot of a lot of deals transpiring and there's a lot of interesting and unique situations coming up. And, and this conversation stemmed from something that came up in, in coaching with the, one of our agents. Um, and it was that, you know, when you have your closing and, you know, you do your final walkthrough with your client, whether it's two days before, three days before, whatever that looks like, you get to the house and you realize this house probably isn't going to close. Right. Um, when the, when it's clearly evident the seller hasn't started packing, let alone moved out of the house or started the process of moving, what do you do, Gary? What do you do in that situation? <laughs> you, you have a little mini freak out, but don't worry. It's all good. <laughs> no, yeah. Yeah. It's all yeah. good. It's all good. I mean, just remember, I, real estate is not new, so it's happened to people before. Right. And, and if you're newer to the industry or this is a new experience for you, take a deep breath, uh, call Jen, don't call me. No, you know, reach out to people that have gone. <laughs> Thanks, I'm <Gary>. kidding. <laughs> reach out to people that have gone through this before, but more, most importantly, when, so, you know, what Jen's referring to is showing up to that final walkthrough and the seller's not even packed yet. Or there's, you know, I was talking to one of our agents and, and, and he was saying to me, yeah, we closed in that house, but there was, the house was full of garbage, you know, things like mm -hmm. that. Right. And what do you do? Take a deep breath, you know, phone a friend. And, and I literally mean that your friend should be your lawyer. Call the lawyer, <laughs> right? Call the yeah. lawyer and, and whether it's share pictures with them, because the pictures will go a long way and, and your lawyer will work and figure out a game plan. Okay. When it's, when it basically there's, there's, I mean, this is a whole other subject, but really once a, a, a purchase and sale agreement has come, become firm, it should now belong to the lawyer. And the fact that you are literally moments away from closing, meaning a moments to date, a couple of days, definitely put it in the lawyer's hands. They will start having the appropriate conversations uh, with perhaps the other lawyer and so forth. That, that to me is your first, first step, right? And the lawyer will figure out what, what to do. Uh, of course, the courtesy call to, to the other agent say, Hey, you know, the, whatever the situation is, I just, we did a final walkthrough and they are 
truckloads away from emptying the house. Is everything okay? Do you still expect this home to close? Because the way I see it, it may not. Right? And come from curiosity. Don't ever come from accusation. Come from curiosity. Right, Jen? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, always. Right. Um, you know, what is, is there a game plan? Have you spoken to your clients? What are, what are their plans for tomorrow? What's it going to look like? Right. Um, and always come from, seek first to understand, as we say, always come from understanding, um, not from fear and not from aggression is people will just react if you come from that perspective. And, you know, it's, it's such an interesting one because whether it's that they haven't packed yet or whether it's that there were certain things that were supposed to be done before closing and it's 24 hours before and they're not done yet, um, you know, that it also creates a lot of fear with your clients, with your buyers. So be cautious how you handle those conversations with your own clients. You don't want to get into getting them more worked up than they need to be. So you have to calmly kind of say, okay, here's how we deal with this. I'm going to go talk to the lawyer, then I'm going to go speak to the other agent. We're going to get a game plan in place. I'm going to connect back with you in a couple of hours, and I'm going to give you an update on what's happening, right? Once I've spoken to everybody, always keep your clients calm because that can spiral too. And then you get into, you know, 24 hours of trying to calm your clients down and stress and it impacts their experience, which you obviously don't want to have happen either. Um, And closing etiquette is such a funny topic because of course, you know, we all, we all have our expectations of what that process looks like. And for everybody, it's a little bit different. Um, but there are things that you can do to show that, you know, you're on the route to getting things done. And if you're the seller and as a buyer, there's also, you know, being realistic about people's timelines um, and understanding that, you know, they might not be able to pack until, I don't know how this would ever happen, but maybe there's some reason that they couldn't pack until the night before closing, who knows? Um, so it's always better to have those conversations first and, and also prep your clients. If you're repping the seller, you know, remind them that they need to book movers and they need to get boxes and be a part of that process. Cause it's our job as agents. Once that deal goes firm, like Gary said, then that the, the contract becomes the lawyers, the client is still yours, right? So walk them through the process and give them guidance and give them value during that entire period of closing too, from firm to close. And then from close onward, of course, is a whole other conversation, but yeah. 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 And that's just it. allow the lawyer to manage the contract. You mm-hmm. take the lead in managing the client, right? Mm-hmm. And, and clients use realtors just like you and I, because we go through this hundreds and hundreds of times, they'll go through it. Right. Five times would be a lot in their lifetime. Yes. Maybe three. Yeah. Right. And, I feel like and they'll, once is probably the norm. <laughs> yeah. 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 Like, they'll, they'll look to you for, for your guidance here and, and how you react will set the tone. Right. And it's okay mm-hmm. to allow them to have their little freak out moments because we have the same ones, right? We do. Don't, don't yeah. pretend yeah. that we don't, uh, we're all human. Yeah. Uh, but, but managing that whole outcome is going to be key and, and really, really key to that relationship of going forward. Right. The, it, cause what, what is a real estate transaction? It's an experience and you want to mm-hmm. present them with an amazing experience, even though some crummy things happen along the way, or do you want to allow those crummy things to kind of overtake that whole experience? Right. And, and there's exactly. always a shining light through it all for sure. There is. Mm-hmm. And then um, even to tie into this more and circle back full circle to one of our earlier conversations, 
when we have our team of service providers and they're working with one of the lawyers that we vetted and we know is going to show up and take care of them and get it sorted out, we have more confidence in the conversation we have with our clients and calming them and saying, don't worry about it. We've got our, we've got this lawyer. They're going to do their job. They know how to handle it. They've already gotten contact. The lawyer is going to be more responsive to us because we're part of the same team. Um, and we can, we can provide that again, higher level of service, right? So going back to the added value of, do we have our team of service providers? This is a great example of why you absolutely should so that you can make that phone call and go, what do we do right now? This is what's happening. Walk me through the process. What do I tell my client? What do you want them to do, right? Um, we can't always do that if we don't have a relationship with the lawyer. Now, obviously we can't control who someone chooses. I get that. Um, but if, if we're offering at, at the onset, the opportunity to work with our preferred vendors or our service providers, there's a better chance they're gonna pick that person and it's gonna allow for a smoother process even when we get into these messy closing etiquette situations, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, we might have to add more to this, uh, Jen, and come back to this conversation from a service provider. Ben has a good question. When you give the list, are you giving one or uh, of each or a few options of each? So, you know, am I giving them two painters or is it just one or lawyers and stand, mm -hmm. uh, so forth? What do you what do you do there, Jen? Well, um, I'm I'm. I'm fairly certain that it's three <laughs> with Rico and we're required to give options. So I would certainly be providing, you know, a, a group of two to three options with every category as best I can. Now, you know, would I say that there are some people that would be my go-to, someone I've used personally or something like that, then yeah, I would share that information. Um, but I would be, I wouldn't just be giving one name. No. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's important to provide, you know, uh, what am I trying to say? Tell your clients, yeah, I, I've, I've used them in the past and this comes from experience, right? And, mm -hmm. and the fact that you can add that level of credibility, especially for people like Jen and I that like renovating our own homes. Uh, yeah, I've used yeah. them in my own house, for instance, yeah. or, or one of our investment properties and so forth. And that goes a long way. This would be my favorite lawyer to close with uh, for investment properties, or the, I use these lawyers for, for, you know, my residential purchases, anything like that, whatever it is, every, every lawyer, just like every realtor has a niche. Uh, so does every, every lawyer or obviously service provider. So this is, this has been a good one, Jen. I like it. I'm glad, uh, um, gl I'm glad we circled back to it. Very yeah, good. And it's a good question It's a great question because sometimes we don't know, right? It's kind of like, do you just have your one go-to? And you know, one of the reasons that I also think it's important to provide multiple options is different personalities, right? When you know your clients and you know your vendors, you know, you can gauge who to, who might be a better fit or not a better fit. And it's not that you say, Hey, hire this person or that person, but you can certainly give them the options and, and say, Hey, you know, based on what I know of, of you guys and that I think you'd really enjoy working with so-and-so, right? Um, they still can do their vetting and reach out to all three and get quotes and go and make their own decisions at that point. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Justine, absolutely. Like to give three options, have them choose. You don't want to be blamed if for some reason to have negative experience. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. another thing too, and I love Jen's point too, is the fact that, you know, I, I remember... Um, we were staging a number of homes and one of the homes had, um, they, they were older, they were senior. 
And I'm not going to send in our young, trendy, you know, stage to go into that home because one, they're not going to align on how they communicate with each mm-hmm. other. And, and B, right. as, as much as you explain to any home seller that the fact that you now want to put up a for sale sign, this no longer is your home. Right. Mm -hmm. Some people have a harder time with that conversation because they don't want to give things up. So you certainly want to make sure you're matching up personalities. That's probably uh, that that hidden secret, if you will, or that trade secret that you don't want to overlook for sure. That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. And then the other point, too, to go back to Ben's question about if it's one or more, how do you set that up? If you're covering the cost and you have your team and your service providers, you have your one go-to that you bring in and that's your team. That's different than giving somebody referrals or references. So two different conversations. If you're going to, if your seller is covering the cost, you give them your list of references. If it's you and your team, you can pick and choose because you're the one providing the service, right? So uh, it depends on, it depends on the scenario and how, how the, the deal is structured that you have with your seller. Yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, I'm going to go back to a couple of comments and then we'll wrap this up. So, um, so many comments today. I know I this it. is awesome. So Mary, I, I, I know it was there, but I wasn't thinking about it. What's the worst thing that can happen? You learn. So I love it. I mean, ask questions, right? Ask questions, yeah. try things because you, Mary's right. What is the worst thing that can happen? Uh, you either find a really cool new system to work with or, or you, or you learn and you move on. And, um, and, and that's, that's really, really important too. Um, what was the, what was oh new comments are now coming in yet yeah. oh Mary's Mary's keeping track so that's three times we use it yes <laughs> <laughs> very good yeah, there was so one other it. one and now I can't find it I should have saved it um, anyways all good stuff uh, one of the things you know th- these are all important topics and again if you feel like uh, you're you're you have questions about a specific topic uh, send them in to Jen and myself we're happy to discuss them and if we don't have you know the expertise not to say we have all the expertise behind all of these topics but if we don't have the expertise or experience we'll go bring that person on that does and uh, we've got some really really cool guests lined up over the next uh few weeks so yeah in the coming weeks, I know we've got Wasim Jera, who's who's looking at some pretty cool stuff and, and working alongside a Treb, and you know that he already does that. So we're, we're thrilled to have mm-hmm. him not only in our brokers, but have him to come on the show. Uh, one of the up and up and rising, no, the the, the, what am I trying to say? Mike Russo. Up and coming. Up and coming. That's what I'm looking for. So he's involved Mike in Russo, Young Professional yeah. uh, Network. <laughs> Uh, in, in KW, stop laughing at me. I gotta keep a straight yeah, face. No, sorry. I don't. Um, <laughs> and then, uh, KW has, uh, announced a new Canadian leadership team. So in the coming weeks, we are thrilled to have Ryan McLean come on, who I've been working pretty closely with. And, uh, he's just, you know, it's just an opportunity for us to get to know Ryan from that perspective and, and look out, uh, if you're with KW, there's some really, really awesome things that are coming down the pipeline, uh, to support our agents. So pretty excited about that. So, uh, lots of fun things happening over the next month or so with the episodes, Jen. Yeah, I know. It's exciting. We got a, we've got a good list of people. So hopefully we can keep, keep the ball rolling with more and more guest speakers and, uh, I just want to comment, Ben said, what if you only know one good one in regard to our uh, service providers? And 
my answer to that is, you know, go build your database, Ben. <laughs> That's what you got to do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. That might be a yeah. shameless plug though, Ben. I like it. <laughs> it might Home inspector. Be. It might be. Anyways, yeah. we move yeah. on there. Yeah. I dropped it, Ben. I got you. See, we'll give you some love. <laughs> very good. Okay. We should probably get out of here before we get ourselves into trouble. Yeah, <laughs> very <absolutely>. good. <laughs> so that was another episode of uh, KWRC TV. And yes, we were on YouTube, Facebook, and of course, your favorite podcast player. Uh, everyone have an awesome week. We'll see everybody real soon. Bye for now. Bye, guys.